0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Storyteller Saga, a podcast all about the process and experience of writing straight from the authors. This is an intimate look into the lives of today's most prolific and talented writers, an author profile in the words of the writers themselves. There will be drama. There will be explosions. There will be secrets exposed here that you will not find anywhere else lives will be changed and lives will be ruined it will be Michael Bay meets Nick Cassavetes on Dr. Moreau's island except that the island is William Golding's Lord of the Flies and the incubator is this podcast this podcast is the confessional camera on The Bachelor if that camera was manned by a 40 year old aspiring author with a giant beard and dyed hair and was a microphone instead of a camera okay if you're not already following hit follow wherever you're listening to this and make sure to follow on instagram as well at micah campbell writes to keep up with everything that's going on if you're listening on apple podcasts please leave a review i think apple is currently the only platform that has a review option a few points to touch on in your review are how wonderful my voice is how professional the show was how sexy my beard is oh and how awesome the guests are and speaking of guests today we have author J.B. Kane on the show she is currently writing the Arcana series with book one Rise of the Moon having been released in January currently holding a five-star rating on Amazon and book two Rush to Judgment coming out next month She is an English, creative writing, and speech debate teacher, and has become a great friend in the short time that I have been part of the writing community. J.B. Kane, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Micah. It's great to be here.
0: Now, you just told me that book two is being released next month, which is awesome. How does the release go for you? Do you go to local bookstores and do signings and things like that? What is your process there?
1: Well, so because of the pandemic, the sort of traditional route for that kind of stuff has been, let's just say fluid. (laughs) That's that's probably the best way to put it. Sure. So there are a couple of little independent bookstores near where I live, and I'll probably try to see if I can weasel my way into doing something there. Um, There's a metaphysical bookstore not too far from where I am that... I also might try to hook up something there because the books have sort of a metaphysical vibe to them. So they might have some interest, you know, but other than that, I've been doing a lot of online marketing, working on building a a launch team and, um, you know, trying to network out that way through bookstagram, book bloggers, book reviewers, that sort of thing, and try to get the word out as best I can. So with the first book, I really didn't have any idea of how to do a launch. Sure. So... I took a, a marketing seminar over the summer. It's called the Women in Publishing Summit. So I'll okay. give them a little plug because they were terrific. Excellent. And I learned a lot about how to do some online marketing. And hopefully this one will go well. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. So it'll all be all be new and exciting and no expectations. So
0: Yeah, I think it's important to not have expectations because, man, I have had – expectations and then just really been my, my balloon has just been deflated when they're not met.
1: Yeah, well I mean, you know, it's a hard it's a hard thing to get into. I mean, it's the traditional publishing industry has been such a, you know, a monolith for so mm-hmm. long and with the advent of all these independent authors and a lot of self-publishing and you know, it's it's almost like I feel like the whole industry is changing how its paradigm has been forever. Sure. And so that means with that the marketing is gonna change. And just like what happened with music, right? When you started having streaming right. music instead of buying records and all that kind of stuff, I mean, you don't make any money from radio play to speak of anymore. Right. And you know, no. anything you make is gonna be concert sales. Right. So I don't know. I think I think it's it's really changing. So I'm just trying to focus on the fact that I love storytelling, I love writing. Yes hopefully i will make some good cash doing it but if i don't i still love the process and i think that's where i have to focus my energy because like we were saying about expectations if i try to put some kind of well if i could just make this much money or that much money if i try to put that on it i feel like i'm going to stress myself out and ruin the the love of the process
0: yeah yeah, I totally agree. I was a musician. I am a musician, but I was in a band when I was mm, seventeen through twenty-two, and we uh, we recorded albums. We won, you know, some uh, some local band competitions. We toured. We even got played across the seas. We were in magazines, and this was before, you know, cell phones, digital media, that kind of thing. And sure. The dream. The dream. Oh, was... we're gonna have a
1: conversation about this later. I assure.
0: Excellent. you. Excellent. Wonderful. <laughs> but the dream was to get signed. You get signed, right? They take all the hassle out of uh pushing your name, you know, you, they pay for studio time, all this, all that. And that was the dream. Sure. Uh, and we were almost all there. All the legwork. Yeah, yeah, you do all the legwork and you get to say I'm signed. And so I have uh-huh. a really bitter you know taste in my mouth I have really bitter aftertaste with the whole emergence of the digital age I'm still one that will buy an album I'm still one that will buy CDs I'm still one that will buy physical copies of books I hate Mm -hmm. the digital age and when I was first wanting to become a writer you know 15 years ago or so that was the the dream was to get signed to get you know to get on a uh, to get with a publisher and that has all changed, you know. Now it's now I, I look at it and I was like, I don't know if I yes, if a if a publishing house came to me and said, hey, you're the next Tolkien, here's five billion dollars. Okay, great, that's that's wonderful. Right. Let's do it. You can you can have all my works, you can have all the rights, whatever. There's my money, sweet. But that's not going to happen. And so the way like you said, right. the well, way you know,
1: I, honestly, when I finished, um, when I first wrote Rise of the Moon, it was a year between the time I had my finished final draft and the time I actually published. And it was because I was trying so hard. I was out there querying yeah. and just killing myself trying to get this yeah. picked up by a traditional publisher. Now, I didn't know the industry, so there's no way that I could know at that time. Because um, you know I sent off my query letter to uh, a professional agency and they reviewed it and they said, you know, I don't think I'd even change anything about this letter. This letter is perfect somebody's going to pick you up. I was like, okay. Yeah. I was all excited. And then I spent a year querying and I got a little bit of interest, but nobody Mm -hmm. who was willing to pick it up. And I didn't, I, at first I was very dejected by that. Sure. And then I started watching some of these, these online forums that people do people who are in the industry. And one of the things I found out is that the genre I write in, which is young adult Mm -hmm. is so super saturated right now that most of the traditional publishers just aren't buying anything from new authors. They, you know, and I had, I had no way of knowing that. So sure. I mean, think of how many writers probably give up. Right. Thinking, oh, you know, they think my writing stinks, you know, and, and yeah. the truth is, you know, I, fortunately I have enough, as someone who teaches creative writing, mm-hmm. I, I have enough inside me to go, your writing doesn't stink. <laughs> Yeah, so yes. I, I, I didn't give up, and I'm glad I didn't. But I did, at, after a year of querying, I gave up on that grind.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And just said, you know what? I want to, I, I'm just going to self-publish. I might regret it later. And I still might regret it later. I don't know. But I decided to go ahead and self-publish. And I, I was no longer cheating myself out of the joy of having a right. book that I wrote in my hand.
0: You wrote it, you know, yeah, and, it, and you can hold it in your hand. You wrote that, you know. There used to be such a stigma. There was a stigma about self-publishing. It's like the losers self-publish. Uh-huh. You're you're giving up, you're done, right. you're a loser when you self-publish. That that has changed. You know, I'm seeing very popular has, writers. Yeah, yeah that, that self-publish now. And to be honest, I don't know if you'll regret it or not. Because I look at me writing this book and... I don't know if I've spoken with you about it before, but it's in my my bio on on some of my uh, social media that this character I've had in my head, Iliadara, she has been with me for 15 20 years, and I've lived her life and mm-hmm. I've lived, you know, her friend's life and Strand. You know, the, these these two characters, they've had a whole world, and that I'm just now putting down to paper, and I don't know if yep. I want to. I totally
1: relate to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I want to give that to someone. You know, I, mm-hmm. it's mine. You know, I want to give it to the readers. I want to give it to everyone to enjoy, but I don't know if I want to give it to someone to, to have control over it when they're so intimately mine.
1: Right. And, well, and, and you know, I, I totally relate to that because I had sort of a a similar experience with book two, Rush to Judgment, mm. where it it's, uh, I actually blogged about it. That I call it the 15-year sequel because oh, wow. the first half of it, I had actually written I started it fifteen years ago. Easily crazy. Um yeah. and it was only after I wrote Rise of the Moon and I was I was trying to figure out, you know, where to go with book two. Yeah. And I had I written this project fifteen years ago and I just I wouldn't give up on it. I couldn't I couldn't let it go. There were things about it that I was stuck on and I couldn't yes. figure out what to do with it. But I, I the characters, like you said, I mean, they were people to me. They were yeah. people I knew. Absolutely. And I couldn't let go of them, and so they morphed into this new book, and it, it ended up being exactly the right thing at the right time.
0: So awesome! I yeah, bet your book great. will be the same way. I I sure hope so. I yeah, it seems so so easy now to sit down when I'm right now. My characters are sitting around a table and they're they're having a conversation, and the conversation is not struggled. It's just so cool yeah. to see that these characters i I know what these how these characters are gonna react now, and I know what they're going to say, and I know the room they're in. and you know that's 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 I love that. Uh, so this yeah, one is funny
1: because my- when you start writing that, it's it's like you're living it and your fingers just can't move fast enough. yeah,
0: and they can't capture
1: it in the in a time that it's like you see the time passing. you'll be sitting there writing for hours and not even yeah. realize the time has passed. Yep. So that's I. I, Yeah, I I love it when you have a scene like that because after that, those are almost always the scenes that you you just they just work. Yeah. You're just you're like I feel so satisfied after writing that scene. Yep. It's like now it's real.
0: So that will lead me into the first question. Now knowing that you started this started this 15 years ago, I've I've had uh, Iliadara and Strand in my head for 15 20 years. The reason I did not write back then was uh, and I just recently learned this term by recently I mean the last three or four years but the term imposter syndrome so sure. my qu- my question would be do you ever struggle uh, with actually feeling like a writer like you're supposed to be there you know you're supposed to be except you are a writer do you do you struggle with imposter syndrome
1: uh, so it's funny uh, not from a writing perspective so mm. there's a there are two things that from the time I was old enough to have the idea of wanting something that I wanted. One was Hmm. to be a writer and the other was to be a mom. And so I, I'm a mom and I have a glorious daughter, but I always knew there was something in me to be a writer. I I always knew it from the very beginning where I do have that though, is as a business person.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Doing all my own marketing and all that kind of stuff yes I am and and again I didn't know the term either until a couple of years ago when it sort of made its way into sort of media and stuff but yeah I constantly even though I know I'm not a stupid person yeah I am always second guessing business decisions yeah. that I make yeah I always feel like what I'm doing is dumb. I'm doing something wrong. I, you know, this is going to be a disaster. I'm making the wrong choice. I always do that. And I, it's, I really have to struggle to not become paralyzed by it really. I mean, just it's analysis paralysis. I just, I, I, I will beat myself up over every decision if, if I let myself do it and I really have to do a lot of self-talk to not let myself become frozen yeah about it yeah and again it's not because the writing thing the writing thing i feel pretty confident about it's the business thing because that's not been part of my identity my whole life Sure. right and so i you know i just and and i'm sure you know if you if you have imposter syndrome around you know areas of your life Mm -hmm. things that you would never like, if, if a friend told you they were saying that to, to themselves, you would say, no, don't say that. That's terrible. That's not true.
0: Sure. Right. But when
1: it's when it's that voice inside your head, you just can't, it's harder to tell it to shut up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, it is.
1: You know, I just, I whenever I have that, because I, I totally agree, especially around a lot of this stuff that is a big learning curve for me, like the business yeah. stuff, like I mean social media I guess I've been on in, in some form, but to use it for business as opposed to just right. being in contact with my right. friends from high school.
0: You that, know, that it's, word that that word algorithm. Oh man, I hate that word.
1: Well to have a goal, right? To to, yeah. to have it yeah. like where there's something you're trying to produce out of it. Right. It it is it is very daunting. And so I just have to I mean, like I said, I, I really am part of this. I, I try to do self-talk and just remind myself, I can't convince myself, no, you're great at this. That's ridiculous. Trying to do yeah. that would just be a, a, just a formula for failure because I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm great. I know I'm not great at this, but I just tell myself, it doesn't matter if you're great at it. Right. What matters is that your stories are getting out there. And if you exactly. screw it up, nobody dies.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. Heck yeah. In fact, it's it's
1: okay. It's all about self-actualization. Yeah. Right. So, I—I mean, I'm a—I'm a relentless perfectionist about my own stuff. I really am. Not about other people as much, but about myself. I really am. But if I—if I look at it from the point of view of I'm trying to be the best storyteller I can, I'm trying to take these these. Worlds that are in my head and put them out for other people, and maybe they'll enjoy them too. But if they don't, I still told my story. I mean,
0: I say that,
1: but I would be devastated if somebody ever told me your book sucks. I I would be devastated, but I would try to get over it, but I would be brokenhearted about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was looking. I was looking at one of the other authors that I'm getting ready to have on and she had great reviews she had like a 4.8 uh reviews out of five and i was like well where'd that where'd that point two come from and there was one one star review so immediately my heart just sank because i don't like seeing that. i'm a creator in many aspects and i just i said man who would leave a one star review and why so i went and looked at the one star review and all it said was if you like it great that's all it said. But I was like, that See, one that star sounds
1: like it's an ex-boyfriend or something. You know what I right? saying? Right.
0: It's so it's so uh, it's so vindictive or you know intentionally evil. I don't know. I just I don't know what would possess someone to give a one-star review to ruin something. And I know that author looks at that and says, "Man, that sucks." You know?
1: Yeah, trolls yeah, though, just, man. Trolls. Oh yeah. What are you gonna do? I just
0: right exactly. The thing that's hard for me is in doing anything else after doing the band you know i could get up on stage i have my big stacks in the back i have my gibson on i slam an e minor chord and you know thunder just rolls and people's chest shake and i get applause right so it instant and that's validation
1: instant,
0: yeah instant validation right and then they're moshing and jamming and getting on stage and stage diving while we're rocking and sweating and all that stuff instant you know validation instant satisfaction and then and i didn't have to work at that cuz we were this was in the late 90s when the punk rock scene was huge and we were a punk rock band mm-hmm. you know and it was just i just look back at it and i'm like man that was easy why is this so hard right cuz then you were you were young and fearless right exactly exactly
1: well, I think there's there's a stigmatization about failure too. So it it doesn't failure isn't always a bad thing.
0: Correct. You know. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so this is a fun question that I wanted to ask, especially for those of us who write fantasy, YA, and anything in that. You know, I guess even sci-fi probably. How do you name your characters?
1: Okay, so th- it depends. So. The characters in the Arcana series are, I mean, you could call it urban fantasy, you could call Mm -hmm. it magical realism. So they're they're in the real world that we think of as the real world. It's just that there's magical stuff happening in that real world. So the names are, in many cases, just names that I've heard over the years of teaching that I like. Sometimes the characters, you know, they take on a life of their own and they decide they don't like that name and they want a different name. Absolutely. So I've in Rise of the Moon, I renamed a couple of characters two and three times. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I like they had one name and then it was like, eh, no, let me change it to something else. And then, you know, it, it kind of got juggled around sometimes. Um, so I had a, I have a, a secondary character in the first book named Trey, who mm-hmm. is uh, the main character's best friend. Uh, and I, I, his name was definitely Trey but then as i was you know going through the process of finishing up that book and doing edits i started a new school year and i had a student named Trey and he spelled it differently and mm. it was it was so cool the way he he spelled it instead of T R E Y which is how it had been in the book right. he spelled yeah. it T R I G H and i loved it
0: yeah that's And i great.
1: so i asked him I said, I said so listen Trey i have this character named Trey in my book would it be cool with you if i changed the spelling of his name so that it matches yours because I really like it, and he thought that was just the coolest thing. Yeah. So I do take a lot of inspiration from former students, current students, in terms of characters in YA novels. So yeah, that wasn't a huge, a huge dump, but those those names are sort of realistic, so that's not a hard one. Worst case scenario, sometimes I will open a phone book and flip it open and just <laughs> yes. pick a name off that page off that's that because I still do have a, a phone book because I live in a county that is a little bit backwards and so every once in a while you still get a paper phone book that's so um, that's a really valuable tool for that for me Yeah. but I also dabbled lately a little bit into high fantasy which I read when I was younger but sure. I've never really written it so for those characters okay you're going to laugh at me and I'm fully going to accept it and you can just throw all the shade this direction you want. Sure, I've got uh, it ready. So the novel that I'm actually working on is based somewhat on a, a Dungeons & Dragons campaign with a lot um, of changes so that it's not proprietary D&D stuff. Sure, sure. But I'm I'm literally the character names. I think some of them uh, are generated automatically from, you know, they have these little D&D name generator things.
0: Now let me interrupt um, you. Let me interrupt you. I, I, I will yeah. let you continue. I don't know if you've seen in my bio or if you know anything I about did. me yet. I, I am did. a D&D DM. So, I saw
1: it, I saw yeah.
0: it. Yeah, so, so no, A, no, I'm not gonna laugh at you, B. Yes, I know all those because I have to create NPCs with different names mm-hmm. for every campaign we run. And yeah, so you basically you, you you basically instead I'm not throwing any shade. I'm I'm smiling. If you can see my smile. Yeah, you, <laughs> that that's good. So go ahead and go ahead and continue. We can talk D&D. Cause I want to know if you play. Have you ever played?
1: I do. I do actually. So I played when I was in college a little okay. bit. Um and we it wasn't just D&D. We had we played some D&D. We did um, Call of Cthulhu, DC sure. Heroes. A few like we dabbled in a bunch of different art, uh, RPGs. So when the pandemic hit, i was i'm the speech and debate coach which mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. and my kids were my my team was super tight-knit and all of a sudden we were stuck at home and they couldn't interact with each other they couldn't yeah. see each other and some of them started having actually some pretty significant mental health yes issues around yeah. that isolation so absolutely my cat my team captain at the time reached out to me because we were doing online competitions, but that was really the only time we ever interacted with anybody. So they, he reached out to me and he said, Hey, look, he said, the kids have been talking to me and they, they were wondering, cause they know you used to play. Will you run a D and D campaign for us? Will you DM for us
0: awesome. so that we
1: can get together on zoom and at least have some fun together? Yeah. So I agreed. And I did just like a little sort of basic campaign because I had played, but I've never DM'd. So sure. we just sort, yeah. of, sort of did this very basic Delver campaign, you know, the very. Right, right. The very first one. Yeah. one. Yeah. Yep. Right. So we did that and they just they loved it. And Excellent. so all of a sudden they were just they wanted to run campaigns and they were. And so literally that group of people and I. And now my daughter has started playing with us, and we brought awesome. in some of the new kids and stuff like that. And we've been playing ever since. And so we play we, – I'm in two campaigns right now, uh, one of them that's kind of based on f- the Feywild campaign that just came out. Sweet. Um, and it's, it's been Disney-fied, so he Disney-fied it. Oh, great. Um, the guy who's DMing it, and so he calls it Dizwild. Um, is,
0: is this a kid or is this an adult that did this?
1: Well, he's in college now. He was okay, he was okay. my captain at the time when we started, but now
0: gotcha.
1: he's he's a, a sophomore in college. So he okay. you know, he he does that one and then two of my other now graduates who are college students, they created a homebrew campaign. Yeah. And so we played that one and that's the one that is the basis for the the novel that I'm writing which is going to be that's my my national novel writing uh, month project for next month. Uh, that's the project that I'm doing for that and it's called iron shields shadow and I think Once I kind of get this going. I mean, I'm, I'm it's easy because a lot of the layout is done Yeah, but then the writing of it I have to flesh out the characters much more than they are. I'm gonna have to change the things that happened for story reasons. Right. Sure, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, that's it's really funny that you bring that up because it was kind of opposite with me like I said Strin, Illidara, and iliadara and the and adamus and and the world of Pylenia and all this kind of stuff all those characters in that world have been in my head for so long that they will not let me run a pre-written campaign so every <laughs> campaign we You're yeah every campaign, guy huh? right i have to homebrew and i have to homebrew everything and so it, it got so difficult that i was like i'm just gonna use this world that i've already had in my head for 15 years and so I, I used that for one of my campaigns, and it ended up being a two-year campaign. Yeah, but
1: what a great way to plot out a book, though, right?
0: It was it was wonderful. It was so – because I, then I could use plot points that I thought were great. <laughs> it's so funny because I had an NPC that's in the book, so I introduced her to the group. They played with her, and she was around for about six months. She ended up sacrificing herself for the group, and at the funeral, the, gr- the group actually cried. Oh, so, wow, that's great. Yeah, it was great. So I was like, yep, this is going in the book.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Lee and Sam, who are the the two people who are DMing it right now, they did a lot of the skeleton work. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a, a Google Doc that I, I work with them where, you know, they kind of outline the points for me. But they also know that – radical changes might occur for sure. for the sake of the story. So Absolutely. because you never know when you have a campaign where you're playing with eight characters. Right. You know, crazy stuff is going to happen that's stupid that you wouldn't want to put in the book. So Exactly. Right. Um, and then you have these right. weird side quests that you just like I don't right. need that. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm also changing a lot of the detail so that it doesn't kind of so that it's not sort of intervening into the proprietary D&D races. Sure. So, you know, I'm getting, like, I'm not, I told him, I said, look, I know you guys created some of these characters, but I'm not having Dragonborn in my campaign. I'm just right. not doing it, or in my right. in my book. I'm just in not book, doing yeah. that. So if it's not something that is mythologically existent right. outside of d and I'm taking it out. I, I mean, right. I'll change it. I won't throw the character out, but right. I'm going to have to make changes because otherwise the characters are just too
0: busted. And you just yeah. oh yeah absolutely that, so. right well that's fun i didn't know i didn't know all that so that's that's kind of a little gem that i i got to hear from you that i didn't uh, didn't know but you are so you are getting yeah i'm gonna a put taste. that one out i
1: think on kindle vella because it's sort of a passion project sure yeah you know and i think it'll it'll be hopefully it'll just be a fun little thing and i i have wanted to experiment with kindle vella so i think this is a good good project for that i'm to do that uh, william Faulkner thing where i'm shifting perspectives Oh, the, excellent. The chapters. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, I think that this it lends itself really well to that. Yes. Um, I'm I'm also not used to, because I write YA a lot, I'm not used mm-hmm. to writing in third person. Okay. So I'm writing the entire thing in, in limited third person, but I'm yeah. switching who it is
0: for right. the chapters.
1: You know, very as I lay dying kind of stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to read it. You got me excited now. <laughs> So maybe I'll with, send you
1: a little a little opening chapter fun. Do.
0: Please do. Yeah. I'd love yeah, to. Yeah, I will. That. Uh so with NaNoWriMo coming up, uh, we'll talk about that for yes. a little bit. Is this your first one?
1: No, actually. Um this Nano is how I finished my my finished my first book.
0: Wow, so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it it completely it completely allowed me to finish something I never, you know someone told me once and and i think you you and i kind of hinted around talking about this at some point before about what what's how do you see yourself what makes you a writer as opposed to just yeah as opposed to just someone who has ideas yeah um sure. and someone said to me one time a writer is the person who finishes the story
0: yeah yeah
1: and that that blew my mind it's one of those things that's a throwaway comment that just it completely changed my perspective. And so when I heard about NaNoWriMo literally probably two weeks after somebody said that to me, and I, I just took it as kismet, you know, yeah. I'm supposed to finish this idea that I have because yeah. I'd been noodling around with this, this story idea. And I said, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to finish it. I, I, I don't care if it's terrible. I'm just going to finish it. Yeah. Um, and Na- NaNoWriMo is what gave me the motivation to do that. It forced me to have the self-discipline to just get it done. So yeah. my first novel was written during the 2018, and my second novel was written during 2019. Oh, no, awesome. sorry, 2019 and 2020. I got the years okay. off. Okay. But 2019 and 2020 are when I wrote the two, and then for 2021, I'm working on Iron Shield Shadow. So,
0: Awesome. I've been very intimidated by it. I signed up for it last year and then said, nope. Because again, like I said, up until this last year, I have struggled with imposter syndrome. And I was wondering Mm -hmm. if I should sign up this year to, you know, I'm assuming my book is going to be somewhere around the 120, 160,000 words. Yeah, because you write
1: high fantasy, right? And that's always longer.
0: It's super long, yeah. But I was still thinking about Man, if I can just do it and just flesh out, just you know, just the just get it done, just so that I can write the yeah. end, and then you know how how amazing that would be. But I'm so intimidated. It, what is what does it come out to? About twenty five hundred words a day. Well, if
1: you're, I mean, the, the other thing is my goal is always fifty thousand, right?
0: Okay. So
1: right. I might I might want to do more than that, mm-hmm. but the goal is fifty thousand because okay. that's what it takes to win NaNoWriMo, quote unquote yeah. win. Like, right, right. you know, so that's about almost 1,700 words a day.
0: Okay, and 1,700, okay.
1: Yeah, so that's a lot more manageable than saying, I'm going to finish the novel.
0: Right, right.
1: Which, you know, I'd like to. I mean, obviously that's the ideal. But if if I say, I'm going to write twice what that is, I mean, that's a lot, man. That's a lot yeah, to is. put on yourself, especially. Yeah, it is if it's if it's a first time kind of thing. So when I yeah. wrote Rise of the Moon, I actually already had about 25,000 words written before I started. So I didn't actually yeah. start that project from scratch. Right. right. I started it about a third of the way in. Now, granted, I changed a lot of that sure. once the story started taking on its own life, but I did write the f- a little over 50,000 and I finished the novel. Yeah. And then with Rush to Judgment, it was the same thing. I had this pre this prior project, which I retrofitted into right. the Arcana universe. So I had, I don't know, maybe fourteen thousand words written, and then I powered through it, and I, I wrote about fifty five thousand, and then I wrote maybe another ten thousand after that and finished it. So okay, you know. I mean that if if you're having intimidation issues about the the length, just you know make it about the the basic word count. And if you get yeah. more than that, great. And that's a
0: that's a gift, right? It's gravy. Right. It is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think I'll do it. I, I, it's going to be tough, you know. Especially I just had a kid, so we've got a five month oh, old. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's uh you know, awesome. three kids. It is. It's it's great. And our fir- it's our first boy and our last kid. <laughs> this one. I don't know. I don't know what Amanda was thinking. I'll tell you what. You know, she came up last year and said, well, I want another kid. I was like, what are you talking about? We're 40 years old. <laughs> so, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Well, he I'll is, tell you, though, I mean,
1: it, you know, credit to you. My, my daughter is adopted, so I missed all those early sleepless nights. Wow, yeah. By the time yeah. she's, she's adopted from Korea. So okay. we brought her home when she was eight months old. She was already sleeping through the night. Like,
0: yeah, boom. Yeah.
1: So I skipped all that hard stuff right hit that easy button
0: yes (laughs) yes
1: so but because they are so they are so wonderful
0: it is the best it is is, i wouldn't i wouldn't trade it you know and and, you know i i did get a boy that's just you know i had two girls and i love my girls and they're wonderful and i've done the whole nail painting and the the hair and the (laughs) dressing up all that right but it's
1: yes I, i can
0: admit it's fun to have a boy so that's cool
1: there are tea party pictures no doubt
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. You know, they always get a kick out of braiding my beard and things like that. So,
1: Well, so it's, you know, not to necessarily get away from what we're talking about, but my my daughter started out very princessy and all that stuff mm-hmm. too, which I'm not. Like, I could not be less that. Yeah, yeah. And and so, but now that she's a teenager, she has turned into a little gothic queen, right?
0: She's, yeah, she really is. She's
1: like... She is she's steampunky, gothy, but not not like like her personality is not dark. Yeah. But she loves like the aesthetic and all that kind of stuff. But she's still perky and and cheerful. And I'm like, Yeah, she turned into me.
0: That's great. (laughs) I didn't even have to
1: give her DNA and she turned into me.
0: Right. Right, so and, you know, great. yeah back when back when you know we were growing up the the Goth kids were the goth, you know, they wore the the all black and the tall boots and you know the Marilyn Manson and you know all that kind of stuff, and then you had the emo you know with the uh mm-hmm. the other kind of black, you know, but with the the fancy they, they were like the fake goth, I don't know, but uh, you had the
1: glam goth and you right, had the right. scene kids yeah. sure
0: but I always loved the aesthetic, you know, it's, it's, it's sure. very cool, you know, and, and it's, right. I love, I love the, I love Gothic literature, you know, And I love the, sure. I'm, you know, and I like the darker side of things anyways. I always have.
1: You know, but this child though, she's like, she's all about the kind of the aesthetic, but she won't watch horror movies.
0: Hmm.
1: She doesn't like, she doesn't like conflict at all. So she's definitely not got the dark. Yeah. So I, I have more of that than she does. I've always liked the scary stuff, but she's she's not that at all. She's like the, I don't know, if Disney if, the, if Disney had a goth princess, I guess. It yeah,
0: yeah. They should do that, too, because that would be pretty <laughs> cool. I'd, I'd be okay with that. Well, let yeah. me ask you real quick before we jump back to where we're supposed to be. What kind of music does she listen to?
1: Well, you know, it's funny, because she's gone through a lot of different phases. She listens to a lot of the classic rock that we listen to. Like, we just mm-hmm. took her to see Alice Cooper um, a serious? couple, okay. couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, and she loved it. That's we great. took to see KISS. She loved that. Awesome. Um, but in terms of on her own, it, it's funny because she, she listens to – she went through her sort of K-pop phase. Okay. Um, but she's kind of grown out of that, and she's – right now she says when she's studying, she listens to something that – and I'm going to sound old when I say it. The kids call it lo-fi hip-hop.
0: Yeah. Which
1: I think is literally like – music. I don't know. It's like
0: yeah. it's like just
1: very background. It doesn't distract you. It just kind of chills you out. So she, she listens to that um, when she's studying and doing stuff. So it's interesting because when she's with us, I mean, she's happy to listen to... She will listen to any of the crazy music we call our car WUNK. You never know. So because <laughs> you never know if one day we're going to be That's like, good. ooh, it's yacht rock season. Let's right, put on right. some Christopher Cross and you know, whatever, or yeah. it might be. You know what? We're feeling like we need to listen to some seventies funk today, or we might sure. be like, "Ooh, let's put on some metal today." Let's put, you know. Right. So you just never know.
0: Could be a yeah. country
1: day. Those don't happen to me very often, but my husband likes it so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I listen to. You know, my daughter surprised me because she's very. Gosh, what is she listening to now? She did just start getting into, it and I, I am happy about this. She's not listening to much modern radio. Because to me personally, and I'm a, yeah. I'm a purist, I'm a musician. You know, modern music is pretty rough.
1: I'm telling you, you and my husband would be best friends because, like you described your your high school experience. Yeah, yeah. his high school experience was your high school experience ten years earlier. Seriously. He was a guitarist in a band. He lived in the D.C. area. Okay. They would open up for bands like Kicks and Firehouse when they came yeah. to town. Yeah. Stuff like that. So he, like that same exact experience you were describing. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, it's you great. too.
0: Yeah. Does he? So does he still play?
1: He has a music room. So he plays all the time. He doesn't really yeah. play out these days. Right. Just because it's not practical. And he works like 70 to 80 hours a week. A lot of oh the time. So it's just not, but he goes in his room and like when he's on conference calls, he will, he will straight up. Put that on, and he'll be noodling around in his guitar. Just
0: riffing, yeah. He writes yeah. music
1: all the time. He, you yeah. He just, just, not. He's just not playing out.
0: You know, right. That's kind. Of, that's kind of what I'm doing. I would. I would love to play again. Nothing, no touring, nothing like that. But I'd like to go to the local bars and and jam. You know, yeah. You'll know, make my ears bleed again. I would like. I would like to do that. But right now I'm just the only recording. time I ever
1: saw him play live, like with a band, uh, was at a local uh, local brew, brew pub. Kind oh, of thing. cool. Yeah. and they played a gig there and it was great you know and it was it was mostly cover stuff sure because that was just sort of the the crowd right um, but it was really cool to like i'm sitting here and i'm watching him play like you know Soundgarden stuff and yeah you know that kind of stuff and i'm just like this is so good cool. they they played interstate love song i about lost my mind it was fantastic oh, yeah. it was That's just great. so cool to see that yeah yeah
0: and i i've told the guys that i used to play with you know i was like anytime you guys want to get a 90s grunge cover band together i'm in you know i would yeah. i would do it in a heartbeat but they like no mm-hmm. we want to write originals man we're old we don't we don't need to write originals you know let's let's go let's go yeah let's go jam some stp some you know some sound guard some pearl jam let's do that we're off topic let's let's go back to topic yeah uh, but and you also,
1: know but it's fun off topic you'll
0: no i'm going to keep it in because this is what i like i like riffing with people and i like and for writers, you know, writers are often reserved. Uh, you don't you don't learn a lot about them. So this is a good opportunity <laughs> to get to know the writers more. But I want to give a chance. I am to... many
1: things, my friend. Reserved is not one of them.
0: Well, there you go then. <laughs> See, and I, I guess I'm not really either. Although most people would say I am because I don't like talking to people. Until mm-hmm. <sighs> how would I explain that? Maybe I'll just You're say I don't an introverted
1: like. extrovert or an extroverted introvert. I
0: don't know. I just I don't like people. Right? So I, that's once, fair. Yeah. That's fair yeah. cuz a lot of people suck. A lot of people suck. Once I know that you don't suck, then I'm your best friend.
1: Okay. Right? That's fair. Yeah.
0: That's that's the deal. That's the deal. So, but anyways, so now that we know we both don't suck, we can give listeners an opportunity yeah. to kind of, you know, kind of know a little more about us. On the topic of music though, I did have a question that I wanted to ask do you listen to music while you're writing? If so, what kind?
1: So, you know, I, I actually listen to what I think my main character would be listening to. Okay. So okay. Uh, when I wrote Rise of the Moon, I literally had, because I would be on my laptop and I would put YouTube in the background and I would put my, my main character was sort of gothy. And she was mm-hmm. based on a, a former student of mine who I adored. Um, and who actually collaborated with me to make sure that I had her character right? Like I would text oh, her cool. and say, "Hey, what would you order at a Starbucks?" Yeah, you know, stuff like that. And yeah. so she loves him, his Infernal Man Majesty. Yes, she just adored. I, I do too. And I was actually, like, that's great. What my character. Yeah, so that's what that's what my main character would be listening to. So cool. I would literally just I and I I was I was aware of him before that, but I didn't really listen to it. Yeah. So I just went ahead and I just put it on loop whenever I was writing. Sure. And so, like, I wasn't singing along with it because I didn't know the music. Right. But I, it would become just literally the background because that would have been the character's background. So yeah. Yeah. the second book, I didn't do that. And I also did a little 30 Seconds to Mars in there because it kind of... There you go. Yeah. I don't know. It sort of worked. Yeah. My second character was not really into music so I would just write in quiet okay because that's just who she was so for for uh iron shield shadow I'll probably put on some like Lorena McKinnitt, that kind yes. of stuff Celtic yeah. you yeah. know kind of vibey medieval that sort yeah. of stuff the stuff you would expect a bard to be playing exactly yeah. so right. I'll probably have that kind of stuff and I, I probably it'll be Lorena McKinnitt because it won't be distracting so I won't yeah. start singing along. Right. And so I'll probably have that kind of stuff on loop as I'm writing. And it just, you know, it just kind of puts me in that space, you know. So I try to, try to tailor the music to the setting of the character.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. I have tried to listen to music while I actually write. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. When I plot,
1: see that's that's why I can't listen to stuff I really know.
0: Exactly. If I if I exactly. listen
1: to, to stuff that I would listen to, I'll be distracted. So super distracted. The third book yeah. of the Arcana series, which I haven't even started writing yet, I already know kind of what music I'm going to be listening to because it's the the protagonist is based on someone loosely at least that I know, and I know okay. what she listens to. Yeah, but it's it's something I would n- probably not be caught listening to because I don't really listen to modern hip hop or rap particularly. Yeah. yeah. But she she as a human is a huge fan of like Kid Cudi and that kind of stuff. So I will hmm. probably have that playing in
0: okay. the
1: background so I can keep the character's vibe.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it will definitely help you not knowing that kind of music. Right, because I yeah. won't sing along. Right. And see, with me being a musician, even if I put on something instrumental, I'm still sitting there thinking about. Oh, yeah, because
1: you're analyzing it. Yeah, yeah. So the
0: whole time, in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm watching, you know, 15 different hands on 15 different instruments, you know, in my head. And I'm like, too distracting. So I I do like putting on Maybe you need to listen
1: to lo-fi hip-hop.
0: Hey, you know what? (laughs) Maybe I do, because that's something I've never listened to before. Maybe you do. Yeah, maybe I do. Well, well
1: I I've, I've heard it in my daughter's room when I walk by.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and it is. It, to me it sounds like spa music. That's you crazy. know, it's not it yeah, it's 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 the kind of stuff that I might go to sleep to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's yeah. very very non-distracting. So huh.
0: Uh, Check it out. Maybe yeah, I'll work. I might have to do it. I might have to do it. Okay, one question I wanted to ask, and we'll probably wrap it up here soon, because I was, I was shooting for a 30-minute mark, and we're at 50 minutes, so <laughs> we're, we're doing good. I love um, yeah, Hey, I'm loving it. This is great. But one question <laughs> I wanted to ask, because I ask myself this all the time, and I get, caught, <sighs> I get caught thinking bad thoughts when I want to think about it. But does it make you angry? That there are very poorly written novels that have been tremendously successful.
1: Oh, Lord. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you okay. know what it is? It actually, I notice it less with novels because if I'm starting to read a novel, if I don't have to read it for some reason, mm-hmm. if after about 10 pages, if I'm like, I, I can't, I just can't. Just can't. And I'll stop. Right. You know, because I, right. I, my time is too valuable.
0: Right. But exactly.
1: I notice it with screenplays a lot, because okay. I also like to write screenplays, Excellent. and I notice it with television shows and movies, and I I do, I get actually really aggravated, yeah. how did somebody get paid to write this dribble?
0: Yeah, yeah. You it, know,
1: it, and um, yeah, and the thing is like, so, all right, I'm going to share a funny story, and hopefully I won't get somehow sued for telling you this story, <laughs> but yeah, like, if you go crazy viral, I'm going to get sued. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But oh, anyway. No. Well, we can always um, cut it if we have
0: to. You can let me know.
1: Right. So back in the days of Buffy the Vampire Slayer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when online chat rooms and things were relatively new, yeah, I was a huge fan of the show. And I yeah. was in these, the, like, after the show would air, we'd get into these little online chats and we'd talk about what was going on with the characters yeah. and all that sort of thing. And it was all very wonderful and nerdy and, and glorious. So... A bunch of the people in the the chat that I was in, and one of them claimed to be a writer for the show. Now, everybody was on screen names, not like their actual names. So I didn't really know who anybody was. But, you know, you just assume when somebody says that, that they're full of crap. Yeah, of course. So a bunch of people, like, I, I was like, oh, I have these great ideas of ways that, you know, things could go. And I don't know if you've seen the show. Oh, gosh, you know I've seen the show. At the end of season one, I was, I had this idea. And so I talked Mm -hmm. about it in this online group, and they're like, "You should write that up. You should make that a fanfic." And I had never written fanfic in my life, and I'm like, "Yeah, "Eh, all right." So I took a day, and I just like, I just cracked out a short story that was like an episode, right? But it was a fanfic of the idea that I had. So I put it out in this chat group, and I got like people lost their minds over it, and they, you know, I got (laughs) fan mail from people in the group, and I think, and I was like, I was like what in the world is happening right now? But it was great. And I saved all of it. Like I printed all the fan mail. Like I was just, I was so, yeah, I thought it was just the coolest thing that's ever happened to anybody. So I did. And then about nine months later, after all that happened and I'd written Mm -hmm. this, this story, I'm sitting there and I'm watching an episode of Buffy, the vampire slayer. And all of a sudden my dialogue comes on the show.
0: No. The
1: dialogue I wrote. And I have documentation. Like, this is not... I mean, the characters... Have, like, it was It was literally... Like, they cut and pasted...
0: Crazy. ...my
1: story. Like, parts of the story that I wrote. Yeah, yeah. And plopped it into this. And I was like... I mean, you can imagine this, the colorful strings of profanity. Oh, yeah. Were, I'm screaming. I'm sitting on the couch screaming at the television. Yeah. Screaming at it. And... And I had printouts of all of this that was backdated nine months prior to this show coming out. Oh my gosh. So I like I had all the proof that the, I wrote this before it ever aired. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I just got plagiarized. Yeah. By which
0: I mean I'm sure you didn't I'm sure you, you didn't want money, but to have no, credit just credit. Right. That's all. Yeah. Yeah
1: just co-writing credit and and, yeah. and so I'm like I don't I cannot believe I just got plagiarized by someone who was like a, a major up-and-coming person yeah. who shall not be named director
0: yeah and, right because
1: that's who claimed they that's who claimed they had written that episode
0: wow huh
1: and I I literally I to this day I'm not over it I I, I, I just but you know what it proved to me if nothing else that I can write well enough to write television
0: there you go. There you go. Because
1: if, if they if I if I was worth ripping off, it yeah. must have been an, a better idea than what he had going on.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> of course, so, you know, look at look at TV today and movies today and gosh, I think anything we could come up with is better than what they're doing right now. To be honest.
1: Well, okay. Yeah, that's that's not entirely wrong. I mean, I I've watched a couple of and I have a low bar. It it takes a lot for me to go, I just can't sit through this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: if I have if I have even a basic interest in what's going on in the show, I can sit through almost. I mean, I, I watched the entire series of The Vampire Diaries, no disrespect to their writers. But a lot of that dialogue was painful to listen yeah, see, to. See, I never watched that. My, my
0: wife did. I, yeah. ne- I never watched that. I just I just couldn't get into, yeah. the, into the because of the writing.
1: But, you know, like I said, I have a low bar. So if I get to the point where I'm watching it and I'm going, how did someone collect a check?
0: Yeah. Yeah. For this. Right.
1: And and then I you know and then I think and I think back to my my Buffy the Vampire Slayer experience and go I got to get myself together you know I yeah. you know I just I, yeah. I should I should be doing better than this you know and yeah. I, and then of course I make it all about me I make it all about me because everything's sure. all about me.
0: Well, absolutely. The two books, well, three. I, I'm ashamed to admit the third one, but the the two books that always come to mind when i think of books that i could that i could never i tried many times to read i could never get through them were mm-hmm. i don't know should i mention them maybe i i, I can mention them I, I should i might as well because no offense hey to look i mentioned them, buffy I go for it yeah exactly, go exactly. It. you go
1: viral we'll both, go viral, we'll
0: both yeah, get exactly. sued right yeah exactly it's
1: right. right we're in it together
0: darn right uh was <laughs> the twilight series i couldn't get i, I read the first three?
1: book and then wanted to kill myself yeah No, yep. i'm with you
0: Page three, couldn't get past, I tried three <laughs> times, I couldn't get past page oh. three. It was like a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and mm-hmm. then the, and this was surprising, but the Hunger Games, page three, couldn't See, get past See,
1: I, I liked the Hunger Games. I liked that one. I I, yeah. I think what it was is, whether or not you like the character, but I, I, I get you on yeah. though.
0: Yeah, I just couldn't do it. And then, of course, oh. the third one, the one I'm embarrassed about, and I'm embarrassed to still have it on my Kindle, uh, is... Uh, of course I don't have it on my Kindle but it says hey you have it here is the the fifty shades Which it's one? Oh, fi- no fifty shades Yeah
1: no I yeah. didn't even yeah. I didn't even go there yeah. just out of principle but yeah I yeah. just Yeah and the only reason um, I
0: did was because I was like there's no way there's no way this can be good how is it getting so much and I I think two paragraphs in I I threw up cuz it's edgy yeah Yeah Oh gosh No it's it's it's, full it's, crap. it's, it's edgy yeah. you know It's oh, well give me a but
1: so you know, I'm so with you on the Twilight thing cuz I yeah. I'm a vampireaholic. I love vampire Same literature. Here. I've read Same so here much of it. Too. I love yep. it. And so when you know, everybody was talking about Twilight and I'm just like eh, cuz I didn't I I didn't I was afraid to read it cuz I knew I knew what to expect, right? I just knew what to expect. Sure. So yeah. I read the I read the first book cuz I felt like I can't criticize it if I didn't read it. So right. I read the first book and I was just like I wish Bella, Bella Swan would get hit by a truck. Yes. That's what I wish would happen. Right. Uh, and the thing was, okay, so first of all, Stephanie Meyer, if you're out there listening, I have so much respect for you because even if I didn't Absolutely. like the book, you made a bazillion dollars and I'm sitting Darn here, right. at, you know, I'm still collecting my teacher's paycheck yep. and you probably have right. a really nice house. So, you know, hey, it's okay. You know, I, Yep. everybody's got their own thing and millions of people liked it, but. Yep. I just I I can't love a series if I don't love the character, yeah. and I I just I I hated Bella so I understood what she was doing with Bella. She sure. was trying to make her faceless so that every teenage girl who read right. that story could put right. herself onto Bella. I got I get it from yeah. a from a literary perspective, but everything and you're probably the same way. Everything that I love about vampires is bastardized in that book. Yes, so, everything right. you, you right. know first of all there's the whole tragic byronic it's basically what it is is it's romeo and juliet with fangs yeah and i'm not a fan of romeo and juliet either sorry uncle bill but (laughs) you know i i don't like it because the characters are so annoying that i just want to slap them on. right and and so that's literally one of the reasons i didn't like twilight plus which the whole thing about vampires sparkling
0: I took that personally. Like that was just wrong. It's offensive. Now
1: you should know, though. I have to say, God forbid, any of my students should hear this podcast because last week we had a spirit week and it was all Halloween themed, and Uh Monday was vampires. And I'll be damned if I didn't go to school as Bella Swan and covered myself in body glitter from head to toe. Oh gosh! And it was because it was was ironic, ironic.
0: though. It was ironic. It was. It was ironic.
1: And I told everybody because everybody's like, "But you hate Twilight," and I'm like, "I know." that's yeah. Why it's
0: funny yeah <laughs> so, I'll tell you what I want to ask one more question and then I want to do okay. something fun here right at the end and then we'll uh we'll okay. call it this is personal this wasn't on the uh, on the list so you can refuse to uh, to answer I'm just curious how long have you been teaching
1: um actually I am at 28 and a half years of teaching Wow so cool. I am retiring in a year and a half and that's one Yay. of the reasons why I felt it was so important to start novel writing when I did cuz it takes about yeah. 3 years to build enough of your brand to get your name out there. Yeah. So I yeah, so that's kind of this is where I want to go. And but I am I and I've loved teaching and I love my kids, but with yeah. as much as the state is now interfering with schools. Oh yeah. Yeah. I will be ready to go. When that when that yeah. day comes, I will be picked up in a limo and I will say yep. sayonara Darn and right. never look back. And I you know, I, I won't have a moment's, a moment's guilt about it. And, yeah. you know, so, but yeah. I, I do love it. And I, my kids have been, you know, the joy, you know, they were my kids before my kid was my kid.
0: Yeah, so. sure. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's uh teacher's wonderful. Uh, respect you guys a lot. And also, yeah. Congratulations on almost being done. So that's, that's good too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, I wanted to do something fun at the end here, and I know which one I'm going to recommend because we were just talking about both being vampire novel lovers, but mm. can you recommend a novel for everyone to read oh. if they haven't uh, read it yet?
1: Mm, okay, so ooh, that's 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 a clincher. I'm going to have to think about that one. I didn't um, put that on the list,
0: did I? I caught you. <laughs> you didn't.
1: Okay, so that's all right, though. It's just going to take me a minute because it's like, it's like asking me my favorite kind of cookie
0: like I never met a cookie I didn't like so all right Right. so
1: I am going to throw one out there that is a little unexpected for me because it's just so if if any of the people listening are people who love to be transported to other places Mm. um and by that I mean you know actual places that they haven't been to and they they would like to um I am a I have become an Elizabeth Kostova fan. Okay. She she wrote I've read a couple of hers. The first one I read of hers was The Historian,
0: which mm-hmm. I have that on my It is
1: beautifully told wonderful story. Wonderful. I mean, yeah. But it took me forever to read it because yes. you have to read it and then set it down for a while. And then read right. it and set it down for right. a while. And so the historian was wonderful, especially if you like Dracula, which is why that, that came to mind. Exactly. Um, so if yep. you like the, the actual lore behind Dracula, the historian yeah. is marvelous for that. Um yes. But she also wrote another book called The Shadowland, um, okay. which I finished recently, and it is also wonderful. Doesn't really have the same sort of supernatural tie-in, although the historian is not supernatural, so I don't want people right. to think it's a... It's a um, it's not a it's not a metaphysical novel or a, a, like a paranormal sure. novel, right. but it does have all that historic tie in, and to some degree, uh, the Shadowland is the same. So where the historian is set in Prague, um, the Shadowland is set in Bulgaria, and it is okay. It made me want. To, I felt like I was there. I wanted to go awesome. there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it was, ju- and so it, I read it during the pandemic, and I just. It, it made me itch to travel. So if you really yes. want something that'll transport you, Elizabeth Costova's writing is so good about that. Like nobody writes places better than she does.
0: Well, I'm definitely gonna pick that up then because yes, I loved The Historian. I didn't know about the other. Now, are they connected or are they standalones?
1: Totally standalone, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but you, you, know, you have sort of, whereas in The Historian, the girl's actually a historian. Yeah. In The Shadowland, the girl is a teacher. Um, okay. the main character cool. is a teacher and she's, yeah. you know, without, I won't ruin anything, but basically she's going to Bulgaria to be a, uh, to teach English. So she's okay. from the United States. She goes to Bulgaria yeah. to teach English and yeah. she accidentally swaps suitcases with someone as she's getting in and out of a taxi. And she discovers hmm. that the suitcase she has, has somebody's ashes in it. Oh, um, wow, like okay. they're transporting an urn. Yeah. And Great. so she's desperately trying to find these people to return right. this person's remains to them. So that's kind of the, the inciting incident. Cool. Um, and then it's just the travel uh, and the places they go and, and the stories yeah. that unfolds is just beautiful. It's a beautiful awesome. story.
0: Awesome. Well, yes. I kind of got a twofer there for anybody that hasn't read The Historian, but then of course check out yeah. the, is it called, it's The Shadowlands, right?
1: The Shadowland, yes.
0: Yep. Shadowland. Singular. Okay, great. Well, I'll mm-hmm. tell you what my recommendation is Please. called Lord of the Dead by uh, I love Tom that Holmes. book! Have you, yes. Oh, oh that yes. was thinking. Have you, have you I, read it? Is, is got, it the same mis- one?
1: Mis- I was saying, so I th- when you said Lord of the Dead, my brain said Eaters of the Dead which is uh, okay. Michael Crichton. Okay. But okay. continue, because I'm interested. No, You've already piqued my one, interest, even though it was an accident.
0: I have read this three times. The first time I read okay. it, I had to put it down. And it's not a horror. It, it is about, um, what, what's his name? the uh, Lord Byron. Okay, so it's, it's oh. almost, yeah. It's almost a biography of Lord Byron. But you know, all the stories. Oh, I love that. Yes. And so he ends up meeting Dracula through his travels <gasps> but it takes so it takes the historical you know the accurate the actual historical encounters of Lord Byron and it it puts this Dracula uh vampire spin on it but there's no spin because all of the stuff that all the stuff that happened in the book actually happened so it's like a, it's like a mi- oh, it messes with, with your that. mind it is it is unreal i've read it 3 times lord of the dead by tom holland not spider-man uh but he's still but you know ex- that just makes
1: book. it so much better even you know to just yeah. i can imagine him doing that singing in the rain dance and then writing the yeah yeah, yeah there so you it's go it's great right uh, right
0: <laughs> so no i'm I'll definitely you, i'm
1: definitely going to go on amazon as soon as we get off yes. this call and i'm going to buy that book because i'm it really is, it excited that's fantastic
0: if you're not reading anything right now, you'll probably kill it in about three days. I mean, it is, it is that addictive of a book.
1: It's oh, great. I love that. And I love ones that you, like when you think about it, you're like, you know what? I want to read that again because yeah. um, I've done that. I have like two series that I've done that with. I, I'm a Piers Anthony nut and I did okay, that with yeah. the Incarnations of Immortality series. Yeah. And just every every 10 or 15 years, I will reread the whole series yep. from beginning to end because I just love yep. it that much. And I love that this might be another book that's kind of like that for me
0: it is I, I I visit it probably every couple of years actually now that I'm looking at it on my shelf I'm just kind of like mm, what I'm now reading you're right chin. now might now you're yeah I, I might just grab it and knock it out real quick it's, it's just so good okay so I think that about wraps it up thank you all so much for tuning in today I hope you enjoyed our time here at the Storyteller Saga a huge thank you to Jamie Kane for coming on and sharing a bit about herself if you would JB, tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can get your books, and where they can follow along with everything that you're doing right now.
1: Awesome, yeah, well, I've made it as easy as possible. So you can find uh, Rise of the Moon on Amazon. You can also pre-order, if you're a Kindle fan, you can pre-order Rush to Judgment. It will drop on November 20th. The paper copies will go live on on November 20th as well. So Amazon, super easy. My website is you guessed it, J.B. Kane. that's C-A-I-N-E dot com. And um, I have blogs, I do giveaways, all that kind of stuff. And I would love to see some people hop on there and join my crazy little community.
0: Excellent. So listeners, make sure you all go and follow along with everything that J.B. Kane is doing. And follow me here at The Storyteller Saga and at Micah Campbell Writes on Instagram. Again, thank you all so much for joining us today. And until next time, I've been Micah. Our phenomenal author for this episode has been JB Kane, and you have been a beautiful audience. The end.